You are listening to The Happy Gynecologist with your host, Amanda Miles, MD. Hey y'all, welcome back to The Happy Gynecologist, episode number 95. It's all my fault. I'm so excited to be chatting with you today. I hope you're well, wherever you are. If you're driving or exercising or doing charts, I love that I get to be a part of your day. And for that, I'm grateful. So thank you for letting me ride along. <laughs> I love to think about that. Like, where where are all of my happy gynecologists out there? Where are they listening to this at? It's so, it's so like interesting for my brain to think about that. <laughs> So I love riding along and um, I'm glad you're here. Um, it's been a little sad around here the past day or two because we actually found new homes for all seven of our puppies. Um, I've had people asking that. <laughs> so they all went off to their new homes this past weekend. And I'm honestly a little bit sad, um, but happy at the same time. I did not need that many dogs in my life. <laughs> So it was quite the experience. Thanks for following along. I'm definitely grateful for it and everything that it has taught my kids. And, um, you know, it's still teaching my kids. You know, we've had a lot of discussions the past few days about, you know, it's okay to feel sad. And um, so they're getting to learn and practice how to feel their feelings around this. And so I'm, I'm definitely grateful for that as well. Um, so a lot of mixed emotions because we're happy um, for each little puppy in their new home, but also a little sad because we miss them. It's a little little quiet around here. <laughs> uh, but we are not repeating this adventure. Our mama dog had an appointment to get spayed today, actually. So as I record this, that's what's happening. So <laughs> it was fun, but let's not do it again, right? <laughs> All right. So I also want you to know that um, I am working on compiling questions um, to answer here on the podcast. So I've had a few recent submissions over on my website um, where you can you can go and you can um, ask for a specific topic to be addressed or a specific question you want answered. Um, and so I want you to know if you submitted your question, don't worry. I'm just trying to get enough to have um, a good Q&A podcast. Um, and so I I have it in my box and we are definitely going to get it answered. It just may take, um, it depends on how many submissions we get. So um, I want y'all to, to go ask your questions then so we can have one of these or maybe even a couple. Okay. You can go over to coach-miles.com forward slash podcast topic, all one word, or you can always shoot me an email with the subject of podcast topic in the in the subject line and just like a brief, you know, description or like what's going on for you or um, a question or, you know, just like fill it out, like let me know. Um, and you can do that Amanda at coach-miles.com. Um, and I'll put those things in the show notes so that you can just go click and um, and enter that in. Um, and so you'll have all the links today in the show notes. So if you have something you're dealing with or, you know, want help on, hit me up, right? I'd love to do a few of these episodes. So let's see how many we can get. <laughs> And then I want to also thank you um, for submitting your reviews on iTunes or just sending me kind words. Um, you know, I know that, that this podcast is, you know, reaching a lot of people. Um, and honestly, it's all word of mouth. Uh, so I don't pay for ads. I don't um, advertise, you know, this podcast. I don't get anything out of this. I just really enjoy helping as many OBGYNs as possible. That's always my goal, like number one. Um, and so, so you know, the more reviews that there are, the easier it is for other OBGYNs to, to find the podcast. And so 
I do appreciate that too, because that actually helps me reach more people to help. So, um, so I appreciate that. And I want to read a couple with you. Um, Dr. P writes, better than therapy. <laughs> Absolutely love this podcast. I don't mean to downplay the importance of one-on-one therapy, but it has taken me years to explain to my therapist what Dr. Miles just innately understands about life as an OBGYN. Her suggestions are so relevant and truly helping me. So happy I discovered the podcast. Thanks, Dr. P. I also never want to downplay um, speaking with a therapist. I think that therapists are great, but sometimes we need that level of understanding, or sometimes we really need some more tools in our toolbox. So I encourage, even I, I encourage my clients, like if you're working with a therapist, yeah, totally keep working with them. But therapy plus coaching is great. So um, yeah, I'm so glad that you're getting getting some good benefit. And thanks for your kind words. Appreciate you. Um, and then the next one is Annalise. She writes, hi, I'm an Indian OBGYN and completed residency like three years ago, working at a private setup halftime due to my father being ill. I found your podcast by accident and boy, was I delighted. I was so burnt out during the last year of my residency. I actually took three months sabbatical as I finished and treated myself to travel. I think every OB- OBGYN should listen because uh, to you because everything is relatable. I started the podcast from the beginning and I'm already feeling better about it. Thank you for doing this. God bless you. Well, thank you, Annalise. And I appreciate you um, for sending me the kind words. And, you know, both of you or everybody here, like tell your friends, pass it on, pay it forward. We don't, you know, I'd love for you to write a review over on iTunes. You know, that helps get the word out. But honestly, word of mouth is really where it's at. So tell your friends, you never know who might really need to hear this podcast. Okay. So pay it forward for sure. Okay. And thank you. All right. So today I want to start working through something that many of us as OBGYNs have dealt with. Um, And that is this kind of sneaky thought or quiet, I call it like a quiet thought. Like it's like a thought I would never say out loud, but that my brain likes to offer. And that is, it's all my fault right? Or this is my fault or some version of that, right? There's a lot of, um, a lot of different versions, but, um, anyway, this whole line of thinking that, that bubbles down to it's my fault, right? So as we dive into this, before we dive into that thought specifically, I want you to think, okay, answer a couple questions for me. I want you to think back, what is the worst thing that's ever happened to you as an OBGYN? Okay. Sum that up with like one sentence in your brain, one thought, you probably have a case or something that happened, right? What's the worst thing? Because we've all, we've all had things happen. Some of them stick with us more than others, right? So what's, what's, you know, the, the thing that sticks with you, right? What's the worst one? And what is, once you have that in your mind, um, what is the main emotion that you feel when you think about that case or about that situation, Okay. Not the emotion that you had then when it was happening, but the one that you feel right now when you think about this bad thing, right? Or this worst thing that happened. The one that you currently feel. So don't hurry this. If you have to think about it for a while, pause it and come back to this podcast. Okay. You can always pause me. It's okay. Um, You know, don't rush it. Sometimes we haven't thought, you know, about it enough, or we haven't paused to think about how we feel right now about it. Sometimes we've avoided feeling for so long that we really aren't sure. So get in touch with that. Okay. And, 
you know, so, so you know what your story is and how you feel about it right now, right? And so some of you out there may feel good about it, okay? You may feel like you've processed it. You may feel like you've moved forward, that you've grown um, by going through whatever this worst thing for you was, right? Um, and for you guys, I would say, okay, then I want you to listen to the rest of this podcast with kind of that question in your head of like, okay, but what else can I get from this podcast? What else can I learn and where can I apply it to my life? Okay, because the, the odds are somewhere in your life, you might have a thought of it's all my fault. Okay. And some of you, so some of you feel like you've moved on and, and I want you to be looking for the hidden gems that you can still apply to your life. But some of you may feel stuck. Okay. Um, and some of you may feel like you can't move forward. You're stuck in the past or um, that that whole story of what has happened is just there and there's no, there's no growth or feeling better about it or anything like that, right? So I want to talk about today, um, specifically if you have one of these cases, if you were thinking it's all my fault, okay? And I kind of, it's kind of tricky because this thought is kind of a quiet one, right? Like um, it's not always blatantly out there, okay? So it's not like I'm just consciously thinking like, oh, this is all my fault. Like I don't go around doing that. It's a very like subtle, deep down, quiet belief sometimes, okay, that my brain likes to offer, right? And so I want you to think about, you know, the past lives in our minds, right? Like whatever it is that has happened is already done. And so the past truly only exists in our thoughts or our memories, which are stored thoughts, right? And so if we feel negatively about the past when we think about it, it is because of how we're thinking about it right now, not because it's happening right now, right? So the past isn't coming from that case or that lawsuit, right? Because the case isn't happening right now. That lawsuit isn't happening right now, okay? Like right here in this moment, as you listen to this podcast, it's not happening, Okay, but you may feel negatively about it right now as you listen to this podcast because I'm asking you to feel that way and think about this case. And so the thoughts are leading you to feel that way. Okay, and so I just want to help you remember that, right? Because we often want to blame whatever happened for how we feel. And so I've been thinking about like, you know, this, this whole topic a lot because what makes it hard to move on? Whenever we have something bad happen to us or we have a bad case or a complication or an unexpected outcome, right? Because what I mean is like we've all seen a whole lot of stuff, right? We've seen a very large variety of things and not every one of those things that we saw like a weird case or a unique case or a terrible case or whatever you want to label it, you know, a good learning opportunity in residency, right? One of those, maybe even you've had a lot of shit shows, right? Not every one of those cases is creating a lot of negative feelings if I think about it right now, right? So why are some of these cases hard to move on from, okay? And I think that that's really what I want to kind of get into today. And so one of the reasons, I think, you know, I think that there are a couple answers to that. One of the reasons is whenever we're sleep deprived and we're burnt out, we're functioning from survival mode, right? We've talked about that here. And whenever you're in survival mode, you're going to be in that place of your primitive brain. And basically everything that is unexpected (laughs) or every case that doesn't go perfectly is going to affect you 
probably in some some sort of a deeper way um, of how you store those memories, right? So because your your brain likes to label bad shit as important for survival, right? So it's going to like keep the file for this like worst case or, you know, this the worst thing that's ever happened to you. It's going to keep this file really handy, right? And so it's always there because it your brain thinks that this is important for survival. So, but think about that. If you are already in survival mode, right, even small things may seem like a big deal to your brain. If your brain thinks it's a threat, it can then like take that threat and, and keep a file handy for it, even if it's something little. So something that otherwise is not a big deal can seem like a much bigger deal um, whenever you are burnt out or you're in that survival mode, right? And so, so what I mean is, is like if you're functioning from that place, you may actually lay down what I call survival memories from the small stuff, okay? And there are a lot of ways to talk about this, okay? This is uh, another way to talk about this would be to call it uh, traumatic, you know, trauma, right? Tra- talk about traumatic memories or trauma, little T traumas and big T traumas, where, you know, to simplify it, I'm just going to call this, you know, you, you lay down survival memories, right? And so whenever you're in survival mode, the small stuff is still going it, to, it's going to seem like a threat still, okay? So for example, you may just be like bebopping in clinic, you know, one day and minding your own business and you're like seeing well woman exams and your brain reminds you like, oh shit, remember the last time you wrote a script for Nuvering? And then that patient called and she was yelling and screaming at you because she had low libido on that. You remember that? That could happen again. You're writing for that Nuvering script again, right? Have you ever had that happen? <laughs> it could be anything, okay? It could be something so little as, as like, you know, uh, writing a Nuvering script that like takes you back to that survival memory, right? And so whenever you're in burnout, you're in survival mode, you're going to lay down memories that are important for survival, even if it's not something very big, right? Our brain sees a threat, right? And it lays down some memories so we could survive that threat. And these are usually universally negative, okay? So your brain doesn't remember the nice thing that the next patient said, because that's not important to survive. So what is important to our brains is that we avoid someone calling and screaming at us about their libido being low on the Nuvering, right? So I think that that's one reason that um, these things stick with us, okay? Depending on how burnt out we are um, and and how sleep deprived and how, um, you know, and how traumatic it was, okay? And so, but it doesn't have to be this big, huge thing to lay down kind of that that survival type memory that really sticks with us, okay? There, um, so so there's a lot of lot of research in that, but I won't dive into that today. But um, so survival memories is one reason I think that things stick with us, right? Then the second reason these things stick with us is because we often get in this mode of blaming ourselves, okay? Or just trying to figure out who is to blame. And we don't do this consciously, really. It's it's really probably some type of survival mechanism as well, right? And so, you know, but we can get really attached to kind of, or like kind of caught up in the story of what happened. And oftentimes it ends with like trying to figure out who is to blame, right? And so, you know, we know that blame is a survival mechanism. Like we, we know how to blame people from a very young age, right? As humans, we're really good at it. 
As a older sibling, I was probably way too good at it. Sorry, sister. <laughs> right? So after a complication, our brain is kind of like, well, if we could just figure out what happened, then, you know, we wouldn't be to blame. And we could like blame some something else or someone else. Maybe we would be safe, right? Because it would have a lot of implications if we were to blame. So it's kind of this interesting way of thinking about it. Like for survival, we actually want to blame other people, right? But in medicine, <laughs> we have been on the receiving end of the blame and of the shame and the judgment, and the criticism, whenever we aren't perfect, right? We are taught and conditioned to believe that we should be superhuman and perfect and nothing should go wrong ever. And it's this line of thinking that we were modeled throughout residency that like if you screw up, somebody's going to die. So you better not screw up. You better be perfect. And not only that, but if you do screw up, then you yourself are a screw up, right? So what we aren't taught is that we're human and humans aren't perfect, right? They're not. And sometimes, even if we do our best, the outcome doesn't go as expected because we can't actually control nature or the universe, right? So it's super interesting to me that we really don't want to be blamed, yet often when something goes wrong or ends with an unexpected outcome, our deeper belief is that we are to blame, right? So how many times have you blamed yourself for something that happened to a patient? Maybe not out loud, right? But maybe internally. How many times have you thought, well, shit, I should have done this and this and this and this, and this wouldn't have happened. It's my fault, right? Whenever we tell ourselves that we shoulda, woulda, coulda, we, we could have controlled this, we could have prevented this, that implies this is all our fault, right? And so the next thing I want you to understand here is that it really doesn't matter if the thought or the underlying deeper belief of it's all my fault is true or not true. Okay, so it doesn't matter if it was your fault or not, right? What matters is that this thought creates an immense amount of pain and suffering and is not helpful. Okay, so keep an open mind here, okay? Because we really get attached to wanting to, to, to blame something, okay? So think about it. Like if you're taking care of a, a low-risk G1 and she has an IUFD, and you have this thought, like, it's all my fault. That creates a lot of emotional pain, even when you did everything right, and it totally wasn't your fault. Like, if she was 36 weeks, and she came to her appointment, there were no heart tones. That is not your fault. Like, logically, we can know that, right? Yet, how many times do we go down the rabbit hole of, I should have just checked her AFI last week. I should have found a reason to do NSTs, or I should have counseled her more on kick counts. This is it's my fault. You know, we feel terrible. We go down that rabbit hole of all the things we should have done, we would have done differently, you know, that kind of thing, right? Even though we know logically that it wasn't our fault, we still have this thought and the emotional pain and suffering that comes with it. And, you know, the point here is that when we're haunted by a case, it isn't about the facts of the case or the circumstances involved in the case, right? It doesn't matter how many weeks she was, doesn't matter if you ordered the NSTs or not. It is how you were thinking about this that matters whenever you are, you know, wanting to move on, wanting to process this and move beyond this case or move beyond your worst thing, right? 
Because let's say, you know, let's say you weren't even in the hospital and you have a patient that goes to L&D. You're not even on call. She gets admitted and has a complicated delivery with your partner and her baby dies. And you still have that thought. This is my, my thought, my fault. I should, I should have predicted this. I should have, I should have known. Um, I should have communicated better or I should have, you know, like your brain like goes after all these reasons and all these things you should have done. And guess what? Like you're going to have the same emotional suffering, even though you weren't even involved, than if it was your fault. Like it might as well have been your fault at that point because you're treating yourself like you are, like it was and you're feeling the same feelings as if it were, right? But you weren't even there. You have this thought, like this is all my fault, I should have predicted that. And I think, you know, hindsight always enlightens us, right? It's always easier to see the unexpected outcome as being possible when we know what the outcome is, right? Because we have all the answers, right? So what I want you to know here is that whose fault it is or who is to blame doesn't actually matter when we're talking about these types of cases because it's just our brain trying to make sense of things and it can't so it looks to blame someone and when there's no viable explanation it blames us because that's what it's it's seen in the past that's what's been modeled to it it's conditioned to receive blame shame judgment and criticism when something goes wrong and so it just goes ahead and offers that up for us which is kind of shitty y'all you know, like we don't have that that old grumpy attending there to do it for us anymore, or we don't have a M&M presentation to prepare for that's going to blame and shame and judge and criticize us. So our brain just is like, hey, no problem. Here you go. I'll do it. <laughs> right? And I think sometimes too, I was thinking about this, I think sometimes too, maybe we blame ourselves so that others don't have to, right? Like if we just beat up ourselves enough, no one else will. Um, and you know, that's, that's probably some sort of, you know, survival mechanism in and of itself, right? We kind of think, well, if I, if I just beat up myself enough, if I berate myself enough, if I blame myself enough, you know, then hopefully this outcome will never happen again, right? If I learn from this and I make sure I learn good and well from this, then no other patient of mine will ever have another loss, like, like we actually have any control over that, right? We know that's not true, but that's kind of, that's kind of what we're doing to ourselves, right? And let's think about this. Even if it was your fault, right? Because whenever we're doing this, we're acting like it was. We're experiencing the same emotion as if it were. How does it help us to use this story to beat ourselves up, like, years later down the road? Because we often kind of think, like, well, yeah, of course I you know, I'm going to beat myself up. Like it it helps me be better. Right. But like, is it really helping you be a better physician? I would really guess not. I would guess that if you really got honest with yourself, that maybe there are some things that you can learn from this, but not, not when you're beating yourself up and blaming and shaming and judging and criticizing. Right. I would, I would guess that it causes more suffering than anything. So we need to have compassion for ourselves here. So what if it was your fault? You didn't plan that. You didn't intend for that to be the outcome. No one did. It wasn't premeditated, right? Like, this is not a crime. You're just a human. An imperfect human. Doing their best. Doing the best that you could in that moment with the information you had. 
And so I want you to really see if you can give yourself some compassion here and some honesty. Even if you can't, even if you really believe that it was your fault. Okay. If it is your fault or not, it doesn't matter. How are you going to move forward? Okay. And you may be really attached to the thoughts about what happened. Okay. You may want to keep believing the story of what happened. Like, no, my 36 weeker who showed up in my office with no heart tones, it shouldn't have happened like that. I should have known. I should have done that extra ultrasound or I should have ordered those NSTs. Maybe your baby would have lived. Okay. You might be really attached to that. And that's okay. That's fine. If you want to keep thinking about this situation that way, it's fine. Sometimes we think it helps us protect other patients if we keep that top of mind or if we keep blaming ourselves. But I want you to know that this story and these thoughts are completely optional. Okay. And they don't help you move forward. They don't help you process what happened. They don't allow you to, to move on and like love yourself and be proud of yourself. Right. All they do is they keep you stuck in the past, beating yourself up. Okay. And they're optional. They totally are. Okay. But if you can't move past them yet, that's okay. Okay. (laughs) I'm not here to argue with you. The next thing is, whether you think this case is affecting you or this worst thing is affecting you or not, if you didn't process it, it likely is. <laughs> so if whenever I asked you at the beginning of the podcast what emotion you feel about that case or that worst thing, and you either A, didn't want to think about it because that seems like it would be awful, or B, uh, if you thought like, oh no, that's too big and ugly, I, I can't acknowledge that too much. Maybe just like a little hint of it. Um, I feel bad. You know, like that's it. Shut it off. <laughs> Like, that means there's probably still a lot of negative emotions there, okay? So, and I mean, I mean, like, like enough that it's like, like a volcano situation that, like, eventually they're going to erupt, right? Um, <laughs> we all have negative emotions, okay? Life's 50-50. We have 50% positive, 50% negative. But if you stuffed those emotions down at that time and just kept working and have tried to ignore them all this time, they're actually still there, Okay. Those big emotions, you know, being terrified or feeling, you know, just huge amount of grief or huge amount of shame, feeling angry, just rage that this happened. If you didn't process those and feel those, likely they are there deep down inside and they are waiting on you. And they're asking to be addressed, okay? And let me tell you how they're asking to be addressed. They're asking whenever you are, find yourself overeating, over drinking, overspending. Okay, over scrolling, trying to numb out, overworking. Okay, because it's easier to stuff those emotions down by buffering than allowing them to rise up. It's more comfortable to just stuff them down with all those things. Okay, I personally, I would eat to cover up my emotions. I would even, I I know now, I would even binge eat where I would just eat like everything I could lay my hands on that sounded like kind of decent. And I was just trying to feel a little bit better, like feel in control, right? And it really wasn't healthy. (laughs) My relationship with food was not good, okay? Whenever I was at the bottom of my burnout, it was bad. It really was. And what I came to realize was that when I started working on all of this and processing some of my worst cases or worst things that have ever happened, the buffering got better. I didn't have to do it as much right? Whenever I started releasing some of that emotion, I began to lose weight, right? I began to not have so much alcohol, 
began to spend less money on Amazon in the middle of the night. <laughs> oh, yeah. So sometimes we just need to be brave and say, okay, I can see that stuffing these emotions down with food or whatever isn't healthy for me. I'm going to allow myself to feel this, this grief or this sadness or this anger about this case because it's actually harming me from the inside out. Okay. It's still there. <laughs> it's just waiting on you. Okay. So if you have a case that comes to mind and when you think about it, you have negative emotions. I want to ask you why, why are you choosing to think that way about it still? Okay. Think about that. It's optional to think about it that way. You don't have to keep thinking about it that way to beat yourself up. Are you blaming yourself? And if so, what good is coming from that? Is it really helping you? I don't think it is. Can you release this blame? Why or why not? Because we can choose to think about it differently. Now, we don't have to be all Pollyanna about it. We don't have to be like just so happy that this happened. No. We can choose to think and feel differently, though. Okay, Just because something bad happened, it doesn't mean that we are scum and we should be forced to make ourselves pay for it for the rest of our lives through self-flagellation, right? Just because something bad happened to a patient doesn't mean anything about who we are deep down inside. It doesn't make us bad. You are worthy of love and acceptance, even though this happened. Okay, Your worthiness hasn't been like reduced by like 25% because this happened right? Or 50% or more. Like it hasn't, it doesn't work like that. As a physician, you're out there just doing your best to help the other humans. If that doesn't make you worthy, then nobody out there is. You spend your life literally trying to improve the lives of others. So who, who is worthy if you, if you are not? <laughs> That's a rhetorical question because I know that you are 100% worthy. Just because something bad happened, it doesn't mean that we can't feel sad and grieve, yet move on in a healthy way, right? We don't have to stay stuck. You know, we don't have to stay in that place so that we can learn from our quote-unquote mistakes, right? Usually we do that by saying we should have done X, Y, or Z. We, you know, if we could just go back, we would have done it like this, right? Staying stuck on cases like this and blaming ourselves doesn't actually help us to learn or to do better. It doesn't prevent cases like this in the future. It doesn't help us or our patients. It doesn't, okay? Do you want to argue with me about that? Argue with me about that. But quote-unquote learning from it by staying stuck in that misery isn't helping anybody, okay? We can choose to think about our cases or our worst thing that's ever happened in a way that helps us acknowledge our emotions and release them. And so I encourage you to get in touch with what you feel and allow whatever negative emotions that is, you know, stuff deep down, allow that to kind of bubble up. And there are a lot of ways to do this, okay? This may look like talking with a coach or a therapist about it, maybe journaling about it, setting a timer and letting yourself revisit that day and just focusing on how you feel. Whatever feels safest for you, okay? You have to create safety as you do it. So curl up in a blanket, have some music on while you do it, okay? Something to show your body you're safe while you do it. Because we, we know that emotions can't harm us, but we don't often feel safe to feel them, okay? So create some safety. If you don't feel safe, definitely get a therapist so you can do it in a safe way for you, okay? 
So we have to acknowledge these emotions, the ones that we've stuffed down before we can even change how we feel. So just know that, okay? You can't just like pick a new thought. (laughs) It's not like that, okay? There's a lot of emotions tied to this, okay? That's probably why, part of the reason why this has stuck with you is that there's some strong emotion attached, okay? Like a survival memory has strong emotion attached to it usually, okay? Usually like a fear, okay? And so... I want you to think about that. You got to process some of this first. Then when you feel that you've done some of that, you've processed some of that, you know, then you're ready to move on. I think that trying to get to a feeling of what I call accepting grief is helpful. Okay. Accepting grief. (laughs) I just totally made this term up y'all. So I don't, I don't know if it's real or not, but it's real to me. It's what, it's what I use. Okay. And so accepting grief is where you acknowledge what happened so you aren't like in denial anymore about what happened, right? So I don't want you to just be in grief where you can still be in denial. I want you to be in maybe just that stage of grief, but acceptance and grief, okay? And so, you know, I want you to be in a place where you know, okay, this happened and feel the sadness with it. Okay, so when we accept the reality of what happened, instead of saying it should have been different, I should have done more, right? If we, if we just accept, well, it shouldn't have been different because that's not what happened. Okay, here's what happened. I accept that this is what happened. I couldn't have known, you know, I, I shouldn't have done any of that. Like, I shouldn't say that even. All these shoulds, right? But like, if we can get rid of the shoulds and the woulds and the coulds, and we just say, I accept what happened, happened. We release a lot of emotional pain, okay? Because all those shoulda, woulda, couldas create a lot of resistance and emotional pain. And then we can feel grief on its own without all of that clouding it, all the, without all the blame and shame and judgment and criticism. And when we feel grief on its own, it's actually very cathartic. It helps us move forward, right? So if we can feel accepting grief, it sets us up to be in a place where We can just feel pure grief on its own, not clouded by the emotional pain of the blame and the shame and the judgment and the criticism, okay? And so when we find accepting grief, we accept that something happened, we drop all the shoulda, woulda, couldas, and we accept that we can't change it, even if we wish we could, we can't. We accept ourselves as being parallel to what happened. So it happened and, and it's okay for me to be sad about it. Okay, so when we find that accepting grief, then there's no reason to blame ourselves anymore. We can release that self-blame. So I want you to work on this. I want you to work on brainstorming some thoughts. You can write like, draw a line down the middle of your paper and like what could make you feel acceptance if you, if you thought that, right? And then what thoughts might make you feel grief or help you feel grief, Right? And maybe you can find some combo thought where it's all smushed together. Sometimes you just need two thoughts and smush them together side by side. Okay. But keep it simple. I keep it simple. For me, some of my go-tos are simply like, I'm really sad that this happened the way that it did. Right. That accepts it. And I'm sad about it. Right. This was meant to happen this way because it did happen this way. And it's okay for me to feel sad about it. Right. Like both of those thoughts side by side help me accept this for how it happened and accept that it's okay for me to to not blame myself and to feel sad right 
I am sad that the case went that way. Just a little simple. I'm sad the case went that way. Yeah. Or no one is to blame for this happening this way, but I do feel sad for this patient. Right? So, you brainstorm your own thoughts or borrow some of mine. Feel free. Change them up however feels best for you, right? If you feel like you need to process some of those those emotions, you know, make a plan. Set a timer. Just let yourself cry in the shower about it or, you know, whatever sounds safe to you, okay? Um, schedule an appointment with your therapist. Find a good coach, okay? This is what, this is what us coaches and therapists are trained for, okay? Um, so don't be ashamed, you know, reach out that this is something, you know, if this is something you want to move past, it's okay to ask for help, okay? So if this struck a chord, definitely rewind this podcast for yourself. Like write down the questions I ask you, spend some time answering them. This is a whole process. It's not just something that can be solved, you know, in one podcast or after you journal once, right? It's a process. And some of, you know, some of this sadness may be there for a long time or maybe even the rest of your life because you want to feel sad about it, right? But we don't want to let self-blame keep us stuck in misery, right? That's different than just feeling sad about something. You deserve better than the self-misery, right? You're an amazing doc. I know you just want to do the best you can. But you don't have to be anything more to accomplish that. You do not have to keep blaming yourself. Okay, I give you permission today to stop blaming yourself. You don't have to do that anymore. All right. And remember, you can always find more help on my website. I even have a full Coffee with Coach recording on how to handle complications and bad outcomes like a boss. So if you haven't watched that, that might also help. If this is something that's bringing up a lot of uh, thoughts and feelings and you want more help, that's a great way to start as well. You can go over to coach-miles.com forward slash free resources, all one word, and then you scroll down to the bottom and you enter your info for immediate access to all the Coffee with Coach recordings. It'll be in there. Okay. All right, friend. So glad to talk with you and I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, you can always get more free help from me by going to my website, www.coach-miles.com and clicking on free resources. If this work has helped you and you're interested in learning more about getting out of burnout and up-leveling your life as an OBGYN, definitely check out my six-month coaching program, the Happy Gynecologist Group. You can always get more information on my website, coach-miles.com.